Hello and welcome to this Linklater's podcast on payments regulation. Looking after customers' money is unsurprisingly an important part of being a payments or e-money firm, which is why we return so often to the topic of safeguarding. Today I'm joined by Harry Edis and Francis Hodgkins to talk through a couple of big developments in this area. One is an FCA decision notice about the relationship between payments firms and their banks. But first, the Court of Appeal has handed down its judgment on Ipigu. And Harry, it's not a good outcome for the FCA, is it? Thanks, Simon. No, it's not. Uh, We've heard the FCA argue for several years that e-money and payments firms hold customer funds on trust. But in Ipigu, the Court of Appeal has followed the High Court in unanimously dismissing this argument, but in doing so has made some interesting points about what should happen to customers' money on insolvency. Francis, tell us about the case of Ipigu. Ipigo is an e-money institution which went into administration in 2019. If you're a customer holding e-money, when your e-money firm goes insolvent, you should have your money returned to you from an asset pool. In theory, there should be a pot of funds which has been safeguarded for this purpose. In practice, and in this case, the administrators found serious non-compliance with the safeguarding rules. So the administrators of Ipigo went to the High Court to ask whether funds which weren't properly safeguarded should form part of this asset pool. The administrators also asked if the e-money regulations create a statutory trust for the benefit of e-money holders. And what what difference would that have made if there were a statutory trust? Well, if the legislation imposes a trust, then you as an e-money customer would be entitled to any relevant funds which can be traced. So it wouldn't matter as much if the money wasn't held in a properly segregated account because you could apply principles of trust law to help return more money to customers. Okay, so then what happened when this got to the High Court? Yes, so the FCA intervened in the case to argue for there being a statutory trust under the e-money regulations. And as Harry has said, and as we've talked about on previous episodes, this has been the FCA's reading of the regulations for some time. However, the High Court disagreed with the FCA. In its judgment, the High Court found that there is no basis for implying a trust into the e-money regulations, or for that matter, the payment services regulations, which contain similar requirements. The FCA appealed to the Court of Appeal, again arguing that safeguarded funds were held on trust, and now the Court has rejected the FCA's appeal. So bad news for the FCA. Harry, is this also bad news for holders of e-money? That's an interesting question. Not necessarily is the answer, because the High Court and the Court of Appeal both agreed that the asset pool should not be limited to assets which were properly safeguarded. Instead, according to the Court, when an e-money institution goes insolvent, the asset pool should extend to include a sum equivalent to any relevant funds which have been mixed with the firm's other funds. The outcome, then, is actually not dissimilar to what Francis has described in the context of a trust. A wide interpretation of the asset pool allows non-segregated funds to be returned to e-money holders in priority to other creditors. And what does this then mean? What does this mean for firms? Do they need to do anything different as a result of Ipigoo? Well, a lot of firms will feel vindicated because they've long argued that their relationship with their customers is built on a contractual basis rather than as a trustee beneficiary. As a payments firm, your day-to-day safeguarding requirements are not going to change as a direct result of this case. What it does reveal is the level of the FCA's concern about non-compliance with safeguarding requirements and the potential for consumer harm. 
We've seen the FCA banging the drum about payments firms improving their standards in this area with various dear CEO letters and the like. And that's not going to stop. Should we turn to Premier FX? This case has resulted in not one, but two decision notices from the FCA. That's right. This is another case of non-compliance with safeguarding requirements. This time, it was a payment institution, which went insolvent in 2018. Then last year, the FCA published a decision notice, which spelt out various failings at Premier FX. This included taking customer funds without an instruction for onward transfer, which is a big no-no for payment institutions, because doing that starts to look a lot like deposit taking. What makes this case interesting is that the FCA then followed up with Premier FX's bank, Barclays. The FCA has fined Barclays around three quarters of a million pounds for oversight failings in its relationship with Premier FX. According to the FCA, the bank didn't conduct its business with due skill, care and diligence as required by principle two. This is because it failed to make inquiries to ensure that Premier FX's business activity aligned with expectations and failed to identify that Premier FX's internal controls were deficient. As part of the resolution to the FCA's investigation, Barclays has also agreed to make a voluntary payment to Premier FX's customers of over £10 million, meaning all Premier FX's customers with accepted claims as part of its liquidation will have their money returned. So a, a positive outcome then in the end for those former customers of Premier FX. But Harry, what are the implications of, of this case for others? It's worth reiterating that this FCA action was taken under principle two and not under rules in the payment services regulations. In fact, as a bank holding these safeguarded accounts, you're not required under the PSRs to oversee your payment institution clients. So to bring this action, the FCA has had to revert to its high level principles. I expect that following this decision notice, banks will be scouring their client books for payment institutions and e-money institutions. You'll want to identify this type of client and ask yourself whether their business activities raise any Premier FX style cause for concern and what additional steps you're taking to monitor them. As a result, if you're a payments firm, I think in the longer run, you can expect more hoops to jump through when you open new safeguarded accounts and then closer monitoring of your activities, not only by the FCA, but also by your bank. It will also be interesting to see how the FCA proceeds with the new consumer duty. As I mentioned, this action was taken under one of the FCA principles, but the new consumer duty will arm them with another weapon with which to go after banks if things like Premier FX happen again. Thank you, Harry and Francis. Do get in touch with us if you have any questions. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye.